Uh, a follow-up on a story you might have heard about recently, and a pretty troubling one at that. The idea that uh, Chinese police are operating uh, clandestinely uh, here in Canada and in other countries as well. Uh, RCMP say they are looking into uh, this matter. And the extent to which uh, this is happening is, is becoming clear. Uh, the group uh, Safeguard Defenders has been reporting on this. Their latest uh, report, uh, a follow-up on some of the work they did earlier this year. You can read more at safeguarddefenders.com. But they've identified uh, more than uh, 100 uh, of these overseas police service centers that China has been secretly operating uh, in countries around the world. A total of 53 countries around the world, including in Canada, where there may be as many as five uh, of these police stations operating. Now, when asked about this, China has suggested that these are basically um, bureaucratic offices uh, meant to help people renew licenses and and that sort of thing. But uh, the reality appears something much different. And the concern that this is a a branch of uh, the Chinese government and Chinese police to monitor, to put pressure uh, on expats, on, on the diaspora. Uh, so as mentioned, read more about uh, this, the latest report from Safeguard Defenders, safeguarddefenders.com. Joining us on the line here this morning, uh, joining us uh, from Brussels is Laura Harth, campaign director with Safeguard Defenders. Laura, so great to have you with us here today. Welcome to the program. Hi, thank you for having me. Uh, so the latest uh, patrol and persuade report, a follow-up on, on these investigations. So we're really getting a, a clear sense of the extent to, to all of this. Uh, so just how extensive is this network of police stations? Well, as we've seen, it's, it's, it's quite extensive. I mean, uh, running in over 50 countries uh, in the entire world, and these are just four um, local, let's say, public security bureaus operating these stations. When we look at the overall numbers coming from uh, official um, authorities in China on these kind of illegal operations they're running and forcing people to, to return and so on, we know that their operations actually expand to well over 120 countries in the world. So the police stations are really just the, the tip of the iceberg. So obviously a very brazen and, and blatant, uh, I would say, tip of the iceberg. Right. And, and so, you know, there's challenge, obviously, in, in identifying uh, these locations. Some of them maybe are more obvious than others, but they're, they're clearly not advertised as police stations, except mm-hmm. for, I think, a couple of rare instances. So how do you go about identifying these? So we, our reporting is based exclusively, and we do wish to highlight this because obviously, um, you know, the Chinese Communist Party, but also some, some, some media like to say that this is a safeguard defenders claim, right? Um, we exclusively reported on what the Chinese authorities, be they national or local authorities themselves, are reporting. So unless we found two credible accounts of the existence of a station, uh, we did not include them in our reporting. So I think that that's important to highlight. This is what they are saying they are doing, and this is the places they said they set that up. Now, the the amount of information provided by the different public security bureaus is is very different. So obviously, you may remember the September list um, included actually some addresses that were published by those those authorities uh, from, from Fuzhou, which are which was others, um, especially Nantong, which was actually the first to, to start setting these up, and which claims to have a station also in Canada, does not even provide a location, a city um, in, in those countries. However, we do know, and I think law enforcement authorities, especially in Canada, but also other countries that have launched investigations, 
since our first September investigation. Um, as these stations have been set up between the public security bureaus, but in close cooperation with the United Transport Department, it is not impossible, let's say, to find out what associations, what organizations are tied to these stations in specific locations in specific countries. Now, as far as Canada is concerned, um, this report and, and previous reporting has identified, I believe, at least five of these locations in Canada, correct? Yes. So according to the Chinese authorities, to these, these public security bureaus, uh, there's at least five. Uh, three in Toronto, one in Vancouver, and one in a location uh, we, we haven't yet, um, which hasn't been disclosed, let's oh, say, um, gener- generically saying Canada. So from the, the official Chinese government line, what, what do they say these offices are, are doing? Why do they exist? So as you said before, um, they maintain that these are merely um, administrative centers, right, helping people with their driver's licenses, renewing their passports, and so on. Now I think the Canadian authorities have already come out and have other countries. Obviously, these kind of consular services, uh, setting up an outpost without the express consent of the host government is obviously illegal mm-hmm. uh, under the Vienna Convention on Consular Relations. So even if it were just those kind of administrative tasks, that is so blatantly um, illegal unless a host government consented to it, which seems, for example, to be the case in, in South Africa. Secondly, I think many people in the diaspora and, and as dissidents and activists have reported over time for years now, even such innocent-looking, um, you know, things such as renewing a passport is not as innocent when you know how the Chinese Communist Party, how the Chinese regime uh, uses those as a weapon often to force people to return, for example, by refusing to renew a passport, even in the embassy or in the consulate, if uh, unless someone returns to, to China. But then from the same account, again, from the Chinese um, public security bureaus, these four local public security bureaus, among the tasks listed, we also see monitoring the sentiment of public opinion in those overseas communities and assisting the public security services back home in these persuasion to return operations to crack down on on crime um, around the world. And actually, there are also accounts of these um, stations being involved in such persuasion to return operations, which include threats and harassment, intimidation, even detention of family members back home in China, or direct approaches with threats and harassment to the target abroad. So again, this is not safeguard the family saying it. This is Mm -hmm. what local public security bureaus, media accounts in Chinese media are saying these stations stations are doing. Right, which which seems like a pretty uh, brazen and and blatant violation of the sovereignty of of all of these countries, Canada included. What what kind of international law applies here, and and how blatant would would this sort of thing violate that? So the first thing is, as as I said before, with with regard to, let's say, the more consular-type tasks, that is a violation of the Geneva Convention on Consular Relations. So when it comes to local public security bureaus, police setting up um, outposts in different countries, I mean, I don't think there's there's anything more more brazen in terms of violation of international law, of territorial sovereignty, of of judicial sovereignty Mm -hmm. uh, than this. So what can be done? And, and are countries taking steps to deal with this? I, I know the RCMP in Canada say they're, they're looking into all of this, but what, what are the options mm-hmm. here to respond? Well, I think the, the first thing, obviously, is to, is to declare the illegality of these, these kind of operations. The second, I have to say, I think we're 
we're quite pleased with the response we're seeing from, from Canada at the moment. It seems that they are taking it serious. Uh, it seems that they have understood that this is not just about a single address or, you know, a, a single place, but about a network of people, of organizations that are not involved, only involved in these operations, but are also involved in running other influence and interference uh, operations throughout throughout Canada as they are in, in, in other countries. So we hope those investigations will continue. Um, most of all, we also hope, obviously, that, you know, allied countries, the Democratic Alliance will actually coordinate their response to these stations because I think it is quite worrying. Again, the police stations are but the tip of the iceberg of everything that's going on. And it's quite worrying to see very different responses from different uh, governments, even within, um, let's say, just within the G7 or within... European Union or within the Transatlantic Alliance. So we hope that countries will come together to tackle this issue that we're all having to deal with uh, as soon as possible. Yes, indeed. Much more is mentioned. Safeguarddefenders.com's website. Laura, thank you so much for joining us here today. Appreciate this. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the ring.